0: Hello and welcome to Dungeon Regular, a show about modules, adventures and dungeons. I'm Nova, also known as Idol Cartoolery, and I'm reading through Dungeon Magazine one module at a time. I'll summarise that module, talk about its strengths and weaknesses, and then talk about a few interesting things about it that could be used at the table or impact your own homebrew design. Today I'm going to talk about Falcon's Peak by David Howery in issue number 3, January 1987, our first adventure in issue number 3. Falcon's Peak is a dungeon crawl for a large party of low-level AD&D characters. The Keep has two major factions to interact with, the Hobgoblin Tribe and the Brigands, and it's fairly combat and trap heavy. It's an unforgiving dungeon that might benefit from being run as a funnel in Dungeon Call Classics, but otherwise should be used in a game where it's quick to create fresh characters, like Cairn, or an od variant like FMC. What can we take back to our table from Falcon's Peak, even if we don't use it in our home campaign? Number 1. The Foreshadowing Brigands Falcon's Peak is pure dungeon crawl, designed to be dropped into an existing world, but it has an interesting addition in that there is a 2 in 6 chance that the party will be attacked by a wandering party of brigands while travelling there from their nearest village. They are a part of the occupiers of Falcon's Peak and introduce a character, Stankus, who is young and eager and wants to impress the leader of the dungeon. With a little tweaking, this encounter is absolute gold, foreshadowing and providing information about what comes ahead and giving more character to the factions that are to come in the dungeon. The key change I'd make to this is that the text wants Stankus to be completely not loyal to his captain, but it would be more interesting for him to be realistically corruptible, for some exciting intra for intrigue. Number 2, Enchantable Items. I know this is there in the AD&D rules, but it's something I find underutilised as a gameplay element in a lot of DIY elf games, One treasure is an exceptional sword that's worth a lot of gold, but more importantly, is capable of being enchanted up to plus four because of its masterwork status. The idea of a reward being a component of a magical item or something that will become magical with further investment is absolutely a clever way to organically drive player characters to engage with the world and generate their own adventure. Simply adding to an item description... This gem is clearly of great enough purity to serve as a repository for magic spells if you were to bathe it in the blood of a dragon, make something that serves as a more efficient way to carry gold on your person into something that drives the player characters to attempt to slay a dragon they otherwise would have avoided. Number three, playful interactions. A curse in the first level of the dungeon can turn the characters into scum creepers. Later on, we encounter a bunch of scum creepers who try to communicate to the players that they were, in fact, tomb robbers who fell victim to the curse. If the transformed thieves are rescued, they are still, in fact, thieves and not to be trusted. If they are killed, the player characters will have murdered innocents who meant them no harm and have been imprisoned here for 12 years. I love this storytelling, and it's only better if you realise that there's a decent chance that you encounter the tomb robbers before you discover the cursed scroll. It turns an otherwise middle-of-the-road trap into a poignant story. Number 4, Dungeon Loops. This is a small dungeon, only 24 rooms, but it's pleasingly looped together in that you can and likely will enter the fortress through the front entrance, but there is also a back entryway through the catacombs that will catch the brigands off-guards. I really enjoy looping dungeons, particularly the ones with secret loops which reward exploration and an understanding of the dungeon's layout, and this does it simply and well – Effectively separating the 24 rooms into 3 levels and a sublevel, connected by 2 obvious entries and a secret entry, with 3 potential entryways from the outside. Very rewarding stuff to those who explore. Number 5. Simplicity I'm honestly really impressed with Falcon's Peak overall. It's my favourite module in Dungeon Magazine so far, next to the Dark Tower of Kabbalah, which I reviewed back in episode 1. What makes it work so well is a combination between a straightforward dungeon structure and some characterful people and set pieces. It leaves a sweet aftertaste for me, and I'd be keen to incorporate this into my campaign world. It reminds me that what we really need is a few interesting characters, a few interesting interactions, and a few shock twists to make a short dungeon crawl exciting and memorable. That's Falcon's Peak in a nutshell. I hope you'll join me for the next episode of Dungeon Regular. If you have any questions, please reach out. I'm on Twitter, BlueSky and Mastodon at IdleCartillery, and I write reviews and blog at PlayfulVoid.game.blog. If you'd like to support Dungeon Regular, please visit my Ko-fi at ko-fi forward slash IdleCartillery. You can make a one-off donation or become a member. Members get free copies of dungeons regularly, my zine of blank dungeon maps, with tables and lists to help you populate them. They are prioritised for their questions to be included in Dungeon Regular mailbag episodes, can make suggestions for future bathtub reviews, and get to see bathtub reviews a week in advance on my copy before they go public. Our theme music is an extract from Turning the Page by Kirk Osamayo on the free music archive used under a Creative Commons licence. Thank you for listening to Dungeon Regular.